You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you in association with Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand, and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Hearts come forward, Ginelli, lovely effort, what a goal! Josh Ginelli with an absolute wonder strike! Hello and welcome to Scars Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club, joint top of the Scottish Premiership. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by hopefully a, an upbeat and optimistic Mark Donaldson. Both, both upbeat and optimistic. I could be really negative. I could have said, oh, I was 20 seconds away from being Mystic Mark and getting the <laughs> prediction absolutely spot on. 1-0 in Oda. But I, I smiled and I gave a big scream, a big yelp for the opening goal. The second one was a clenched fist because... I couldn't really lose because my team was 1-0 up and um, just before we got the second goal, I did shout audibly by myself in a hotel room in San Francisco, don't you fucking dare McGowan, as the ball came across to him at the edge of the box (laughs) and he struck it and thankfully it was blocked and we went up the other end of the park soon after and scored a second. Yeah, so upbeat, Um, looking forward to this podcast today and I, I think we saw at McDermott Park on Saturday, a microcosm of what Hearts pre-season was, meandering along without much purpose for long spells. And then suddenly, I suppose this instance, it would be the halftime whistle. Um, the other instance would be that uh, day when we signed players and then within 24 hours put out a, a new 150th anniversary kit. And that's what happened when, when we changed um, made the substitutions. It was a different heart side. So I'd rather start slowly and end well, because you then have a positive show rather than starting well and uh, not finishing very good. We will talk about St. Johnson against Hearts, of course. We will look ahead to a really big game for the men in Maroon in Trondheim on the coming Thursday. And we'll talk about the draw for the next round in Europe, which Hearts will hope to be involved in, but of course a big challenge before that point as well. Um, and anything else that might come up, but I guess before we kick on with the, the meat of the show, one thing we should mention at the time of recording on Monday evening, we've just had the news finally confirmed that Costa Rican forward Kenneth Vargas has completed an initial loan move from Herediano in his uh, home country, but with the option of that future permanent transfer. So he becomes Hart's sixth new arrival at Tynecastle Park. And uh, another welcome addition, Mark, another attacking option. Yeah, and I love his quotes as well. The club has made such a big effort to bring me here. It's made me feel loved and wanted. And that was a big reason why I wanted to come here. I think uh, last week I mentioned it was similar to... um, the kind of excitement levels when you get a flair player joining, like a Jean-Louis Valois, uh, even a Ricardo Fuller, where you've got no idea what they're going to be like, but they they come with flair and with goals and with with trickery. And this is similar to Kenneth Vargas. Um, just really looking forward to seeing him in a in a Hearts jersey. The fact that Hearts were desperate to get him, as Kenneth's quotes have have just um, shown, but the fact he's desperate to come here, Costa Rican league isn't isn't big. Um, it's important in their own country. I suppose it's it's a bit like the Scottish League minus Rangers and Celtic. If Rangers and Celtic didn't exist here, that's probably like the Costa Rican League in that there's still a lot of interest in Scotland for Scottish football. And there's a lot of interest 
in Costa Rica. I work with a lot of Central Americans at ESPN and the international um, department, and whether it's El Salvador, Guatemala, Costa Rica, they they love their football. And there's a huge interest back in um, in Costa Rica in, in Kenneth Vargas and what he does. And, and you'll probably find there'll be a lot of Costa Rican football fans that will now adopt Hearts as their kind of Scottish team because Kenneth Vargas is playing. So, yeah, we, we've all seen the highlights and that's all we can go with. I think when when you sign a player, when anybody signs a, a kind of attacker, if he's someone that you've seen a lot of, whether he plays in your league or he plays in, in England and it's easily accessible, the footage, then you can kind of make your mind up what kind of player that you think your team is getting. But with Kenneth Vargas, apart from the, the clips and the goals that, that we've seen, there's that mystique about him, and I'm really looking forward to to seeing him pull on that maroon jersey for the first time. We do have Hearts Argentina, a dedicated um, yes. Hearts account from Argentina, but don't think there's a Costa Rican one yet. Yet, <laughs> yet, indeed. Let's hope we see some soon. Um, so yeah, good for Hearts to get another new signing in. Um, interestingly, technical director Stephen Naismith um, speaking and said uh, he's coming from halfway across the world, so he may need time to settle in, but we'll make it as smooth a transition as possible for him. He got some great attributes and is clearly talented. We think we can improve him as a player and we can help him uh, take the team to where we want to go. So exciting times ahead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, looking forward to it. You're listening to Scarves Around a Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. So St Johnston against Heart and Midlothian. We're very pleased that we're going to be joined by a couple of guests very shortly to discuss this game. One from each side, should we say. We've got Joel Sked, who was uh, alongside me doing co-commentary for the game on Hearts TV from McDermott Park, and Ryan McGowan, of course who, despite having some maroon allegiances, was of course on the other side. One of St. Johnson's players that started in that game to open the league season. Um, before we get to that, let's listen to the goals from Saturday's game. Checking as Lowry whips another corner in. Poor one that time. Cleared at the near post by Ballantyne. Returned by Atkinson. Challenged by Kent. Almost officer Ona. Ona right for yeah. Goal! It's Yutaro Oda! Drilled into the bottom left corner! Picking up this season where he left off at the end of last. And the Hearts fan jubilant behind the goal. Oda strikes it. Saints still. Hearts won. Breaks to Alex Lowry. Follows it forward. Liam Boyce isn't offside here if he can be on goal. Final chance for Hearts. Boyce into the box. Has Shanklin in the middle. Boyce. Shanklin. Yes! Lauren Shanklin seals the points for Hearts at McDermott Park. Seats were committed. But it's Boyce who rolls it across the box. And it's the Poacher Supreme who knocks it into the back of the net. And it's 2-0. And all three points are going back to the capital. St. Johnson 0. Hearts of Midlothian 2. Brilliant, brilliant awareness from Lowry. A inch perfect ball, very casual, very laid back. Just knocked in behind. Boys, you think you you would allow Boys to go through and just have the shot himself? He's been out so long, but that unselfishness to just lay it into Shanklin's path and knock it in the goal. A lovely day in Perth. It didn't start too well, Lowry, but oh, it's turned into just a quite scrumptious day in Perth. <laughs> Okay, we are delighted to be joined by a couple of guests who will be speaking to us uh, briefly, too briefly for our liking, but to give us some other angles on the game from Saturday. One from a, a Hearts perspective, someone who is enjoying the game right beside me on co-commentary. Mr. Joel Sked, how are you, sir? Good, good. Even even better now that we've uh, signed Kenny Vargas up and I've, I've got a real, real good feeling about, a real good feeling about him, which... Might not be uh, so good for everyone else, but I'm excited. Kenny Vargas wearing the coveted number 77 shirt worn by greats such as Esmael Gonsalves and Robert Snodgrass. I, can't, I mean, I can, only, I can only be get better from there. Uh, and he's got a tattoo on his throat. I mean, that, well, that, 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 that just screams cult hero. Yep, it's got, Ryan, it's got the 
Costa Rican Ryan Stevenson written all over it. Um, from, <laughs> one, from one Ryan to another Ryan, a man who maybe enjoyed Saturday's game a little less than Joel and myself. It's Ryan McGowan. How are you? Very well, thanks, fellas. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining us from the from your vehicle, I believe, getting your daughter yeah. to sleep, hitting the roads of Midlothian. Um, so, yeah, not the not the, the best outing for your team on Saturday, but we always appreciate that you're a, a good sport and come on and, and take the ribbing. Yes, I'm expecting a little bit of ribbing this afternoon or this evening, so that's why I'll only be short and brief to go away <laughs> but just to mumble on. <laughs> Short and sweet, just like uh, this Johnson optimism for this season. Um, Joel, oh, wow. <laughs> Joel, we'll start. We'll start with you. Well, what we'll what we'll do something I, I mentioned to to Ryan. We'll, we'll start with some thoughts on on how this game began for Hearts because the first half um, wasn't you know didn't look as promising as we were hoping from a Hearts perspective and at one point during commentary you said something that I passed on to our other guests which was you felt that Ryan McGowan was the best St Johnson player out there at that point I thought he was the best player on the pitch um, for the first half and I, I thought I thought he was uh, not trying to just blow up uh, smoke up his arse because I'm on the same uh, podcast with him <laughs> but I, I thought like he epitomised why St Johnston were, were uh, what made St Johnston so good and why, what made so, it so difficult for Hearts because I thought we had a lot of the ball something that we did Last second half of last season didn't go really uh, didn't go anywhere. Whereas St Johnston, we were had a great vantage point at McDermott Park. You could really see they were rigid, well organised, a bank of four, a bank of five, getting men behind the ball and leaving no space in between the defence and the midfield. And then they sat off us uh, to let defenders have the ball. Kai Rogues, uh, Stephen Kingsley, Frankie Kent seen a lot of the ball. And then when it came into the St Johnston half, they would pressurise the midfielders and it would stop Shanklin getting the ball and uh, a lot of that was round uh, around Ryan McGowan who was leading a lot of the a lot of the press and um, he made it very difficult with Cammy Devlin and other other Hearts players so yeah it was um, it was a, a very difficult first half for uh, for us yeah Ryan I mean Hearts thanks guys set. thanks for having me on Seventy percent possession hearts had in that first half, and but one thing I said in commentary was, I'm hardly ever saying Oda's name or Newenhoff's name or Shanklin's name. Loads of touches for you know Kent Rolls, Xander Clark, like um, Joel says. Uh, I assume that is just exactly the game plan that you had going into the game. Yeah, hundred percent. We. Like you guys said, I thought the first half were really good. Probably the first 60 minutes, to be honest. Um, I thought we were really good in our shape. Kept the ball to the players that we that we would have preferred to be on the ball. Um, you know, Like you said, we didn't want your wingers or strikers on the ball and, and causing us problems. So we're quite happy for your sort of centre-backs or the deep-lying midfielder to, to have the ball and, and try and break us down. And um, yeah, you know... The squad that Hearts have, they're lucky enough that they can make those changes and bring on fresh faces who can <laughs> change games and, and make it a lot more difficult for us. And uh, you know, I think if you look at the sort of changes that both teams made, you could see the sort of distance between the squads. You know, you're bringing on real quality players. I thought um, the boy Lowry is a very, very good player. I've, I've always liked him. Anytime I've seen him, and um, that's the first time I've played against him, and you can just tell he's a He's a really, really crafty player and, and I like players that always tend to make the right decisions. It might not always come off, but if you can, you know, they're not doing a big 60-yard diagonal and you can play it short or they're, you know, they just seem to run with it when they should be. And, and I thought that, that he did really well when he came on and, and he's a player that, you know, Hearts fans should be delighted that they've got on loan. How different was it, Ryan, when you don't have pace in opposition in the first half to defend against and then you have pace in the opposition and try to defend against it in the second half. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, the Japanese boy, um, I'm not sure exactly how you pronounce it, but I did hear a great song Yosuke from the Hearts band. Takawa. <laughs> have you heard the song for him? Tequila. Yeah. Tequila one. <laughs> yep. No, simple. It's a great song. Yeah, simple and uh, effective. Yeah, very very effective. Um, you yeah, I thought instantly. 
was in your head. When he, um, <laughs> instantly when he came on, it, it does make you sort of subconsciously drop back because you know that there's a there's an option over the top and then in in turn it leaves a little bit more space for the midfielders to get on the ball and, and make those passes so yeah from our point of view it was difficult to try and um, counteract that and get close enough but um, you know we're also pretty disappointed in the first goal it's a pretty sloppy goal from our point of view so um, one that we should probably do better with. Joel from your perspective um Obviously, we watched on the first half. We said it was an awful lot to report on at half time. Some half chances for both sides. A decent chance for Liam Gordon, but neither keeper had an awful lot to do. A bit more purpose about Hearts in the second half. But what what did you feel was the big difference for Hearts in that second half compared to the first? The, the subs bench, as going by what Ryan said, was that we were able to able to change it and freshen it up with. Could argue better players or more impactful players. I think we had more variety in the final third when we made the changes. Like you've got Tagawa, you can you can you can stretch the game, and he's got a presence as well. Uh, allowed um, and then like give a bit more space for Oda. Shankland was dropping into pockets, uh, positions where. I think he's he's more comfortable rather than going up against Liam Gordon, going up against uh, McClelland. He's, he's he's stepping away from them and trying to get on the ball. And then you had Lowry, who makes a massive difference when you've got a player who can take the ball in really tight areas and he's going to keep it. You've, you've, you've got someone who you can trust by giving the ball and just some of his movements, his body movements to create space. And I know Barry Mackay got a lot of um, a lot of criticism at point, points last season, but he would always be in my team just because he, uh, last season, because even if he's having a poor game, he gives us something that no one else in the squad does. And that's that ability in one on one situations, ability to see a pass and ability to try and play forward ambitious passes. Lowry now gave us that off the bench and he could. I think he lost the ball a wee bit, but he lost the ball doing the right thing, trying to make the the right yeah. decisions. And it's I just think it's really exciting, especially with Vargas coming in. That the variety we talked about on commentary, the variety and balance that can be brought uh, into the final third. Loads of different options now because you just seen the way we were able to. Uh, bring Lowry on at number 10 and then move him into the left. Boyce came on, Tagawa went, uh, went wide and we've got a lot of these players who are able to play in one, two, three different positions in the forward line. If you look at the forward line, there's no one at the moment when you look at Oda, Tagawa, Lowry, Boyce, Shanklin, Vargas, who are necessarily, or oh, you can only play there. These guys can play, they can um, swap positions, which makes a massive difference because I thought there was a lot of times or uh, in the first half we were quite static. Uh, there was only a couple of times where Newhoff ran in, even though I don't think he's his best position as a number 10, ran in behind Shankland and swap position or, and then essentially a lot of it came down to Kingsley and Atkinson making different, different movements from, from deep. That was the only kind of joy we got. Whereas in the second half, we're getting so much more out of our, players in the final third and you're moving around St. Johnson and obviously the amount of work they put in off the ball in the first half and in the, well, in the first hour as uh, as Ryan said that kind of will catch up on you Ryan, five Aussies started that game, you for Saints, four for Hearts, who was the best Aussie on the pitch? Um, Atkinson, I thought he played well Yeah, that's uh, a fair shout to be fair, thought he was great thought, Yeah, yeah. I thought he it's probably one of the first times that I've seen him almost play like he did when he was in Australia. Um, you know, you could see that he was like when players sort of take the game on himself. You know, there's a couple of times that like you said, it was a little bit static and there was not much movement and he would kind of come into that central midfielder and drive with the ball and, you know, make us as a midfielder or a defence make a decision. You know, like Jeezy's running through here, I might then have to come off newing off to go to him and he can play that pass. Felt like he was the only one sort of in the first half that was had that little bit of desperation to, to try and make something happen. And, um, you know, like you said, knowing half, it was a bit difficult for him in, a, in that 10 position. Um, he's not as comfortable. I actually don't even think I've seen him play there um, before. So it's like he's better with, with the, the game and like the game in front, front of, of him. him. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, there was a lot of times he was trying to drop deep, but, um, you know, the, the coaching staff was telling him to stay in that position. Um, but, yeah, I think he'll get better. It's also a good game for him to sort of get up to speed with and understand the sort of hustle and bustle of of that type of thing. And um, But, yeah, probably Atkinson was the, the best one of them. Was yeah. Cammy trying any sledging? <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. But what do you have? It's... He doesn't have he doesn't have much, does he? Really, he's just he's just that like annoying little brother. It's just always like chirping away, like Dylan, like, yeah. <laughs> but smaller. It's like, there, go there away, was, mate. There was there was one moment in the first half where he's, he's came. I was going to say came head to head, but it was more Cammy came to your <laughs> your midriff, and it was very 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 brotherly. Yeah, yeah. I see. We both sort of went to nibble in and. <laughs> Um, referee Stephen McLean was like, oh, yeah, settle, settle, settle. <laughs> um, you patted him yeah. on the head. Yeah, I was just like, we'll get, I'll get your turn to kick here. Just give me a couple of minutes and I'll I'll get the shot at you. Had a little <laughs> kick at um, knowing off. Then get over to, oh, no, yeah, I got Atkinson once as well in the second half. So I just like <laughs> to make sure that they know that they can still get kicked. But no, no, he's good. He, he does well in his role. Um, would be, you didn't steal be any yards, though. Here. Sorry? You didn't steal any yards from throw-ins. What happened? Yeah, because well, I couldn't bloody throw the ball. It was like a big ball of soap in the first half. <laughs> the biggest threat. Biggest threat on goal fans, most of the time. Was good. Sorry? The biggest threat on goal most of the game was your long yeah. throws. Um, I know. I do miss I w- that at right back, being able to steal some yards and get everyone <laughs> go crazy. Ryan, I want to ask you one thing. Um, from a defending team's point of view, a lot of People, Hearts fans, have occasionally said they feel Shanklin should be the the nine, should be up front, completely up front, not sitting deeper. Um, it, I thought looking at the game, you know, we started with him up there. I thought the more he got involved deeper, the the better and more effective he was. What what do you think as a, a player defending against him? Because obviously you've played against him playing behind Janelli, and then he started dropping a little bit deeper in the second half, and there was different options around him or even going ahead of him. Um, can you see why? You know, well two managers or two management teams have both kind of tried to utilise him in a more number 10 role? I think he's just a clever footballer. Um, you know, like as much as he is a kind of 10, he has that chance in the second half where he's like a proper number 9 across the face and, and gets a shot in a goal. So he just he can read the game well. Um, I think I mentioned it last year when I played against him. He's very vocal on the pitch. Um, you know, like demanding stuff off off his own players, uh, you know, directing traffic almost as when they're doing the build-up. Um, you know, he's not shy in telling the boys that they've missed an opportunity to find him or, or do something else, but he can still sniff that goal, you know. He can still make that sort of late run into the box and um, it de- he's definitely more uh, better used when someone's fast in behind because it, it makes the centre-backs drop off and then he, he can get in that sort of position like almost behind me or next to me if you're a, center, a defensive midfielder and you have to sort of keep your eye on him because one minute he's up against the centre-backs, next minute he's sort of dropping in, um, you know, getting the ball to feet. It's, it's just a real tricky position to be in and he's and he's one that's very good at, at that and he's, he's probably grown into his game more so as he's uh, went into heart. It, it's it's something I've, I've spoke to a couple of his former teammates uh, recently, and it's probably something something that a couple of things they've said that maybe fans don't appreciate is that they say he's actually a really big lad in terms of his strength. He's a such a he's really strong player. Yeah, he's very strong. Like also his hold up play seems to go under. Every time I play against him, it's so hard to get him off the ball. You know, like you try and double up. You know, if he gets uh, into feet, and now I can. And spin and sort of press face on, you know. But he's he's very good at just shifting the ball or or knowing which way he's got space, and and it just makes it more difficult because he can then lay it off and spin and get into the box. So, um, you know, I don't think he's always been as sort of muscly or as strong as he is now, but he's definitely worked hard on that aspect of his game. And um, yeah, like I said, he's he's one of the best forward players in the league so it's um you always know it's a difficult sort of afternoon against them ryan one of the things that hearts missed last season was an aerial ability to clear a ball frankie kent won every single one of his aerial duels on saturday nine out of nine 
What was it like when you were uh, going up for your attacks uh, and Frankie Kent was there? And what was it like trying to defend him in the box? Because he's he's bigger than he, he's bigger than I think it was. It six two. They claim he is. He seems bigger than that. Nah, I'm sure he's bigger than that. Yeah, but I think he's definitely bigger than than six foot two. And um, what I liked about him is he's got that real sort of old school aggressiveness in terms of he just goes and wins the ball. You know, if it's there to be one, he would just go on it. An absolute mull of the header and um, get you up the pitch. And you know, some people don't like that. I think you, you need to have a, a bit of a balance. But I always prefer if your centre back, you know, just goes and just wins it and knocks it forty yards down the field. And um, in turn, it makes him a threat. He sort of, I think he had a header in the first half. I think it was that just went past um, the post. I think he got. I think Liam Gordon was marking him, and he just got ahead yeah. of ahead of him and. Um, and just missed out, but you know that's that's an added threat. Um, you know what ends up what happening is that when you've got boys like Kingsley or um, Cochrane, the few players, and um, you know you're sort of craftier players that can put in good sort of free kicks and standards. If he gets a run on boys, it's so hard to defend against. Um, you know if you're reacting to somebody in the box, if it's a good ball and a good run, the timing's all well. You know, it's so hard to defend against, and um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that he's going to score a, a few goals this year. And um, I think, in turn, you also see um, him help Rolls, you know, who who's probably has to work on being more commanding centre back. Um, it's something that he's probably never been used to or, or never been up against um, in the A League. Is you know, there's very rarely sort of come up against teams like St Johnson in terms of how we play and how we try and put defenders on the back foot. So. You know, working with him day in day out, you'll probably be able to get like a lot more knowledge off him, and um, and then once Halkett's back, you've got you know three very very good options at centre back, which make it is what you want if you've got a, a good squad going into you know European competitions and hopefully going longer in cups and and challenging for third. You need a good strength and depth, which is you know what Hearts have got as of this minute. And a big thing for McKen, it was noticeable, noticeable watching him when he was uh, with uh, with Peterborough, but noticeable on uh, on on Saturday was he, he seemed to take the lead in in at the back in terms of uh, organising, being vocal, just uh, just kind of just taking on that responsibility that's maybe been maybe been lacking since since Halkett has been injured. Before we let you both go, on a simple question, um, Joel from having watched the two games and Ryan from having played in them both, so this is two wins in a row for Hearts at McDermott Park, unheard of after such a long time without them. Um, December, Ryan also played when Hearts won 3-2. The Hearts team that day was, that night rather, was Clark and Goals, Civic Rose, Cochrane, Forrest and Halliday in the wide areas, Devlin, Snodgrass in the middle, Janelli, Grant, Shankland with a kind of supporting three. I think Janelli started slightly ahead of Shankland and Grant in that game. And off the bench came Smith, Kumert, Soglu and Mackay. On Saturday just past, the Hearts team was Clark and Goals, Atkinson right, Kingsley left, Kent and Rolls in the centre, Haring, Devlin sitting, Oda, Newenhoff and Forrest supporting Shankland and off the bench, Tagawa, Lowry, Boyce and Beningame. Which was the better heart side? The one that won 3-2 in December, if you include everyone who was involved that day and the way they played, or the one that played on Saturday? Joel? I think you have to go with the, the one that played on Saturday. I think it just, that, it just sounds like a better squad with more more to their arsenal, more in their arsenal. And I think we'll find that as the as the season progresses. You, you just look at the squad and... I think it is it is strong, and I think it's stronger than Hib squad, and I think it's much stronger than the Aberdeen squad. Ryan, you played in both those games. What do you think uh, from a opposing yeah, player perspective? It. I have to agree with it in a certain aspect, but I also feel like the first probably thirty or forty minutes in that game, uh, December, did you say that yeah. Hearts were really good? Mm. Remember, yeah, they, they were, started they the game very, really well. Very good. Um, so I don't know if that's clouding my judgment a little bit, but yeah, like I said, I I just feel like they've got a lot more sort of strength in depth. Um, you know, with the players that they're bringing on, it's just like oh, it's just like Joel said earlier, it's it's almost the same, if not better, 
um, which, you know, after chasing the ball around for 60 minutes is not exactly what you're looking for to be coming off the bench, um, which, uh, you know, is a good option for Hearts and it also makes, like, you know, I'm sure Atkinson and, and boys that was that didn't come off are looking, being like, all right, we've got, you know, we're proper going for this game now. We can win this. We've got bringing these boys on. And then it's just that whole sort of circle, you know, training's even more intense because everybody's trying to get one up on each other. You know that if you, you have been dropped, you've got that little bit between your teeth when you come on, you know, you need to do something or make an impact. Even if it's half an hour, 10 minutes, five minutes, you need to try and do something. And, and that's what all good squads and good teams have is, you know, that competitiveness for places. And, um, you know, even from our point of view, we, we didn't have, I think we brought in three or four boys in the last 10 days and, and there's been a big change in training because, you, you know, boys are all of a sudden looking over their shoulders and, and training intensity is better. You know, those four boys come in and the four younger boys that were training with us before, they're now out. So it's, it's a lot more, um, you know, training's that little bit sharper and, and that's what Hearts will be doing. You know, they'll, they'll be having boys that aren't even in the squad that would probably walk into a lot of other teams as starting 11s and, and that's probably a sign of, of good recruitment, getting good players in and, and having to challenge on like that, hopefully European nights and um, the back end of cup competitions. Well, thank you very much to both Joel and to Ryan for joining us just to chat about Saturday's game. Keep an eye out for what Joel's doing in his new job now with the Herald. Um, so all the best with that one. And Ryan will hopefully St. Johnson can bounce back as they go to Dingwall in their next match. Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Thank you to Joel and Ryan for joining us. Good to get some different opinions and different angles on the game. And Ryan with a much better angle than all of us being right out there on the pitch. And Mark, it was a we spoke about it there. It was. Not a similar story, but there was, you know, the feeling in that first half of the heart sides that we've seen maybe struggle in the last year, maybe two years, you know, when they've not been on form, which is loads of the ball, lots of sideways passes, but but no penetration. But did you get the feeling with this game, the plan was always to mix that starting 11 up? That starting 11 wasn't really the, the full game plan? Good question. I think there were certain mitigating circumstances um, as to why those who were on the bench featured on the bench and, and maybe didn't start. I mean, Alex Alex Lowry kind of met his teammates for the first time on Saturday morning, having completed the deal on, on Friday, or he certainly met them within 24 hours of the game. And he didn't even think he was going to be involved. And there's, oh, we've got clearance, we can put you on the bench. So that was for him. Uh, Tago, well, there was some talk he might start during the week. Uh, I thought he would, to be fair. Yeah, so, so did I. But that is as strong a bench with, with, with the main options that we've had for quite some time. Great to see Benny Benigami and Liam Boyce coming back on. Obviously, the mitigating circumstances there as they weren't fit enough to play 90 minutes, just a, a handful of minutes towards the end. So Tagawa was probably the one that might have um, started, but the other thing is as well, they've probably worked for a couple of weeks. And I think even Stephen Naismith and Frankie McAvoy have kind of intimated as much in conversations with the media and with uh, the Hearts website in that they've got a system and they've been working on various things. Craig Gordon said it last week. Thanks again to him for coming on um, that they, they've been working on, on shape, working on what they do without the ball. But for me, that first half was more of the same from the tail end of last season. It was dull. It was boring. It wasn't going anywhere. We were just another team. We didn't have a spark. We didn't have an effervescence. But we did have the options to bring that off the bench. So to answer the original question, I, I, I think ultimately they they probably looked at St. Johnston and probably thought, you know what? If, if we can get this to an hour mark, hopefully we're ahead. But if we're not, look what we've got on the bench to bring on. St. Johnston didn't have anything like the quality to bring on. And, and they, they looked tired by the end, and, and to bring on Lowry after an hour, Tagawa after 70, and then Boyce and Beningame to wonderful ovations after 84. I just think we looked such a different side, and, and I don't know, I, I watched the highlights on Sports Scene of Rangers 
losing at Kilmarnock. I, I tell you what, if, if they can afford to get rid of someone like Alex Lowry, who knows the club, knows what it's like, knows the league, um, then I tell you what, these boys that they brought in must be something special. They certainly didn't show that at Rugby Park. I think we've got ourselves a wee star. And a few of mm-hmm. my pals are really excited by Alex Lowry. And when he came on, he his first thought, and he said it to the Hearts website um, and to Barry Anderson from the uh, from the Evening News, he just wants to play the ball forward, but he thinks a couple of moves ahead. And I love that about him. He's 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 a brilliant player. For his level, I think he he is an excellent addition. And and all credit to to Stephen Naismith for getting that over the the line and everyone else who was involved. Um, there's obviously a knowledge with Naismith and, and Lowry knows what he's capable of. Uh, and I think once he gets himself into the starting lineup, which I wouldn't be surprised if it was Thursday night against Rosenberg, Lowry, I, I don't think he gives up his jersey for anybody. Yeah, Alex Lowry was certainly an exciting debut. He said afterwards, I can play anywhere across the front three or in central midfield. I will bring a lot of creativity, always forward thinking and always want to get the fans off their seats. What a reception that was. And he certainly did look a a, a great addition to the Hearts team. Um, He came on just before the hour mark for Neuenhoff as Hearts kind of started to exert more pressure on St. John. St. Oda was getting more involved. Uh, Shanklin was getting more involved. Atkinson, as Ryan McGowan highlighted, was getting forward and more central. I really liked there was a moment with a the double chance for Shanklin and then Oda Atkinson came to the edge of the box and he actually was laying off his fellow um, his fellow fullback or wingback if you will and Kingsley on the left hand side that's how much he'd come across the field um, Tagawa came on just for the, the uh, 70th minute also had an impact as well there's a lovely flick from Shanklin to Tagawa which forced a good save from Dimitar Mitov who I thought was actually a really good player for St. Johnson probably after Ryan McGowan was um, sorry Probably a, their best player, um, Ryan McGowan, maybe the best outfield player. We'll give him that. Um, but then the goal came and it was wonderful for uh, Utaro Oda to to start the season like he ended last campaign. And uh, uh, what got almost as big a cheer was the return of Liam Boyce and Benny Beningame, which was wonderful. And I think one thing is notable here, Mark, it's kind of similar to when we've often played maybe Celtic more recently, but you know historically Rangers are Celtic, that you know, you, you huff and you puff and you do your best and you're kind of almost looking to the bench and you're having to get fresh legs on, but it's it's often a downgrade um, with all due respect sometimes and Celtic and Rangers just bring on just as good players or sometimes better and that's why often that they still force victories in, in games, even if they haven't yeah. been at their best. We were bringing on, you know, Tagawa, Lowry and Boyce and Beningame coming on the park. And you could see it, it told because St. Johnson were having to turn to, you know, younger players and players that just weren't as good as those who'd started. So they had tired legs and they had players that weren't as good as those who'd, who'd started the game. So um, that is great to see. And it was, um, and I think it certainly made me, you know, I don't think we were pessimistic. You know, we were maybe slightly cautious about this season, but there's certainly, it's only one game. But I think the signs are there that, we have got enough in our arsenal that this could be a good season. Listening back, as I always do, to, to our podcasts, and one, one or two comments were, were saying, uh, fourth, we, we're going to finish third or whatever. There was nothing to base that on apart from pure kind of just optimism. Basing it on on what? You couldn't base a guaranteed or a, a we're definitely going to finish third prediction on what Hearts finished last season with from February onwards, kind of late February onwards, there's, there was nothing there that would give you... You can't look at players and, and say, oh, we've got that player, we've got that... Yeah, but it's how that player is playing. And, and they, no one played well enough between kind of fe- end of February, start of March and the end of the season. But I I honestly think that that second half... I came away from that game buzzing, right? It was, a, it was the perfect... It was the perfect start to the season. You, you want to get off to a good one. And Hearts have done well. Hearts have got off to good starts in recent seasons, winning their opening games. And once the subs were made, I thought, we've, we've got something about us. We've got something we've not had for a while. We've got the ability to peg, certainly St. Johnson back. It's going to be different against better sides than them. But we've got players that can do the unexpected. A lot of the time I felt from kind of, say, March onwards, and including that first half, we were too predictable. Ryan mentioned it. You can cope. You can deal with... If you know there's no pace in that team, it's not difficult. 
give them the ball, but you give them the ball in certain areas, you know, that aren't going to hurt them. You condense the midfield. You're tight between the lines. You make sure if they're out wide that you double team. I mean, it's not difficult how to cope with a team that doesn't have much pace in opposition. But then we're able to stretch the pitch. What a difference that makes. And we said it throughout pre-season. We needed pace. We finally got a little bit of pace. And there'll be more when Vargas comes as well. And th the reason for, for the excitement was we've got options now. And we've still yeah. got players to come back. Defensively, where I still wasn't I wasn't convinced by our defending of, of set plays. Long throws, we looked a nervous wreck. Frankie Kent is, is going to be an upgrade on what we had. But it was just nice after that game to think, yeah, I can I can get plenty positives from that. And those weren't positives that existed last week until we knew what we were going to see. So I'm happy with the way things are now, much happier than I was pre-season. And uh, hopefully it's, it's onwards and upwards. And by the way, the two players that came on both scored in their last appearance for Hearts. Boyce against St Johnston at Tynecastle on the 28th of August, nearly a year. Um, since he played and Benny scored against Livingston in his last mm -hmm. appearance before getting hurt and that was the 19th of March so brilliant to see the pair of them back and it might be a few weeks before um, they're they're like considered to, to start, maybe a few games, not a few weeks before they're considered to start but if we can build them up, maybe 10, 20 minutes next time, then half an hour before we look, right, okay now, now we've got an opportunity and it's competition for places and if I'm hiring if I'm Newenhoff, if I'm Devlin, these guys, you know that once Benny's fully fit, Benny's going to start. So how many places are up for grabs? So it's an opportunity now for the guys that are starting right now to increase their level so they're not the ones that have to make way. Indeed. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think having more attacking options is really key because you need to rotate those positions you know, during the season and during games, You know, just the nature of kind of wingers inside forwards number 10s you know sometimes you need to freshen them up I think especially in those positions and last season we didn't actually have many decent options in, in those attacking areas so I think we became predictable so yeah um, plenty of things to be positive about Hart start the season with a win let's keep it rolling okay let's move on to uh, some more news from today at the time of recording because uh, earlier today the Europa Conference League playoff draw took place. Now, early in the day, the group was released, and we put this on Twitter for everyone as well, in terms of the five possibilities that Hearts would face in the playoff if they are to defeat Norwegian side Rosenborg. So that is obviously no given whatsoever, but you, you still have to look ahead because these things get, get drawn. Um, certainly when the group came out, it was uh, the five options. First one was either Club Bruges or KA of Iceland, so very likely it'd be Club Bruges. Uh, the next option was either Partizan Belgrade or Sabah Baku of Azerbaijan, so likely to be Partizan. The third would be Pauk of Greece or Hajduk Split of Croatia. A little tighter maybe that one, although Pauk would be the favourite. And then Maccabi Tel Aviv or AEK Larnaca, another bit of a tight one as well. Um, and then Fiorentina who Hearts faced last year, not uh, one or the other, just definitely Fiorentina in the group of options. So when this came out, Mark, I think it, it didn't take much to decide that if we're looking at this from a best chance of progressing, not necessarily a best trip, because I know a lot of fans look at that, um, Fiorentina and Club Bruges, easily <laughs> the two that you want to avoid. Um, yes. I would say, and I think I said to you in WhatsApp, those are the two kind of nay chance. Don't get me wrong, um, no, no tie is going to be easy. We'll be underdogs for at least four of these five, possibly all of them. But um, that's the two that you just want to avoid because you're you're basically it's just about the trip, then, isn't it? Yeah, all, all you were after is a, is a an opportunity for if you got through to to have a chance. And and we saw against Fiorentina. What was it? Nine nil on aggregate. Sorry, nine one on aggregate. We got one. Uh, we got one. Well, you it didn't was eight. See it. Sorry. We, we we got one, but it was was it three? Uh, at, was it three at Tynecastle? Ah, it was the Turkish that put four past. Oh, it's four, right? So it was, it was eight, right. So again, no chance. Um, and and Club Bruges maybe, but these these teams are spending millions on players. I was looking at the two squads from um from Pauk and from from Hajduk Split. 
Park's an interesting one because they drew nil-nil at home. Now, they, they, they don't start their league campaign until the 20th of August. They're one of the later leagues to start um, in Greece. Thessaloniki, by the way, is a magnificent place. And if Hearts fans do get there, if we beat Rosenberg and they beat Hajduk Split, then what a trip that is. Bloody hot this time of the year. But nil-nil against Betar Jerusalem in the first leg, and you're thinking, ooh. And then they went, they went to Israel and they pumped them by four goals to one, having had a guy sent off in the 40th minute of the second leg, um, and they were only 1-0 up at the time. So they've got, they've got a decent decent squad. I mean, both these sides are favourites against Hearts. Uh, the Hajduk split stadium, it's like a big bowl. It's like a smaller version of the Olympiastadion in Munich. Um, it's that kind of big bowl with the, 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 the kind of two sides have got the stands... Um, that are covered and then behind the goal is 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 uncovered. Um, they decide that um, this is their first game in in Europe this season. They've already begun their their league campaign. Um, they lost one 0 to Dinamo Zagreb in the Super Cup, one two one at Dinamo Zagreb, and then beat Rijeka by a goal to nil in their second game. And if you remember, Rijeka was one of the possible options for Hearts had uh, in in the draw when when we drew Rosenberg itself. So. I looked at their, their their kind of their squad amounts and how much they're worth. This is a really tough game to predict. I honestly don't know who's going to win this one because for for Heidegger split to go to Dinamo Zagreb and to to win by two goals to one at the Maximir Stadium. I mean that does that's that's no mean feat. So both would be very difficult. Um, but it's it's where we want to be, and I'd like to go back to the Braga game. And Hearts were probably slight underdogs against Braga when De Vries scored twice over there and we eventually went through. That's the type of, of tie I want. I want a rousing... And we don't know yet if the first leg's going to be home or away because Hibs are at home, meant to be at home on the same night. Um, so ideally it gets switched. But regardless, if it is the same as Braga and we have to go to either split or we have to go to Thessaloniki um, on the second leg, then... Hopefully we can we can do something similar to to what we did against Braga. Just don't fear them. And by that stage, we'll we'll hopefully have had what three or four games under our belt. So it's 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 hard, but both are doable. The problem is we've got to get past Rosenberg first, and that will not be easy. Yep, we'll certainly get on to the Norwegian soon. A quick break down the two sides. So yeah, Pauk, um they're certainly the higher coefficient points. They've got twenty five three. Time Greek champions as well, based in Thessaloniki, as Mark says, the second largest city in Greece. They finished fourth in the Super League last season. That was their lowest finish for six years. Previous five seasons, they'd finished second four times, and they won the title in 2019. That was their first since the mid-80s. They actually ended that season undefeated when they won the title. 26 wins, four draws, and zero defeats. And although I don't have this in my notes here, I believe there was um, a change to having foreign referees in Greece that season. Um be interesting what people thought about that. I know some people don't like um, don't like having Scottish referees around. I don't think we'd ever get to that point, though. Um, last season, they were knocked out of Europa League Conference at the second qualifying round. It was their first hurdle with a disappointing defeat in Bulgaria. Uh, well, to the Bulgarians, Levski, Sofia. But the season prior, they reached the quarterfinals of the Europa Conference League when they lost to Marseille. And they have been regulars in the conference, um, sorry, the Europa League group stages over the last few years. Um, they beat in Betar Jerusalem, as Mark says. Look at the team. I've not had a deep dive. We will only do that if we get through. But German midfielder Khaled Neri got more assists than any other player in the Super League last season. Joined for one and a half million euros last summer. Captain by Virinha. Maybe you've seen him before, the former. Yeah, he's mid 30s now, isn't he? Yeah, but he's about 37, former Portugal mm -hmm. international. And the Hartsling, Christoph, uh, Christos Karapidis, is on the coaching staff. He actually started his career at Pauk, and it was uh, from Pauk that Hart paid £200,000 to sign him back in 2006. I've um, never received the money for him. If, yeah, they're probably still getting the installments now. Uh, I do split just nine coefficient. Actually surprised me quite a bit, but um, nine coefficient, six-time Croatian champions based in the wonderful city of Split. Second largest city in the country as well. It's in Croatia, of course, on the east shore of the Adriatic Sea. Um, they were second in the Croatian League last season, 10 points behind Dinamo Zagreb. Dinamo have won 
uh, the title every year bar one since Hajduk's last title in 2005. Uh, second place two years running, though, that was after being out of the top two for nine years. Last season, they lost the Europa Conference League playoff to Villarreal, and they haven't made it to the group stages in Europe since 2010. Uh, captain by experienced ex-Villa goalkeeper, Lovre Kalinic, and their fitness coach is a Scot, believe it or not, Ian Call, who uh, really? was formerly on the staff of Airdrie and Celtic. So there you go. <laughs> Don't know there's, why, there's, but... There's one for the journals to investigate if that's what it ends there up. There you go. Um, so two sides that will be favourites against Hearts, uh, whichever one gets through. Um, but we will, of course, focus on the team before then, because Hearts aren't even in the playoff yes. yet. You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. We're talking about Pauk and we're talking about Hyduk Split because they are the sides that will be waiting for Hearts if they beat Rosenborg. But they haven't yet. That's still to come, Mark. That's the next game, so we're going to look ahead to that because on Thursday evening, 6 o'clock UK time, it's the first leg in Trondheim, and uh, Rosenberg will be favourites to go through. Um, they are sitting eighth in the league. They finished third last season, but they were tenth just a few weeks ago. They've actually picked up a bit of form. They've won four league games in a row now. So um, Norwegian's most successful club, I mentioned on previous podcasts, 26 titles, and now maybe just finding their rhythm a little bit. And despite the fact they're not having a great season, Mark, um, the fact that they've they've got that pedigree... And the fact that they are midway through the campaign, they'll be fully up to speed. Um, this is not going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination for Hearts. No, but it's definitely winnable. It's definitely winnable. I was on a flight uh, to San Francisco last week when they played Crusaders, so I was keeping updated with you and a couple other friends as to what was going on and saw the highlights at a later time when I got there. And defensively, yeah, Hearts have, hearts have got enough to trouble them. Um, they've got a decent front three. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like the way it's it, the tie is. First leg over there, second yeah, leg at tie. I always castle. prefer that. Yeah, happy with that. So, it's it's a difficult one because sometimes in Europe you play a team you've never heard of and you, they're actually really, really good and you've not heard of them because they've got an influx of money or they're in Europe for the first time or, or whatever. Other times you play a team and like, oh, I've heard of them. Remember then They were Champions League all the time, whatever, and it's like, that'll be tough. But it's not that team. And St. Johnson went there 10 years ago. Celtic have beaten them on a number of occasions recently, albeit they've been, they've been close games. And we're not at Celtic's level, nowhere near it. So I think it's a pretty evenly matched tie. I mm-hmm. think it's as evenly matched as Hajduk split against Pauk is. So I don't think it would be a surprise if any of, of Rosenberger Hearts faced any of Pauk against Hajduk in the next round. But as you're saying, as a, an unseeded side in, in, in this competition to face a seeded side, they are the lowest side as far as coefficient we could have faced. So I, I don't want to fall into the trap of being overly optimistic based on 15 minutes at Perth where suddenly we bring on a couple of players and it looks rosy against a team that's blowing out their arse. However, I'm not going down the negative road. I'm going to go down the positive road and I'm going to say, like I did prior to the St. Johnson game, that I would be disappointed if we didn't get three points. I would be disappointed if Hearts didn't go through this tie, even although I said last week, total hypocrisy. I would say you was to Rosenberg. I know. Last week I was trying to get you, you were saying they won't make it past this round and you were, oh, I was the one who. 15 minutes at Perth, I'm all changed. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. missed, I'm definitely some hypocrisy. Yeah. Oh, total. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, and I think you just got to look at the game, like you mentioned. I mean, they drew 2 2 um, in the 90 minutes in both games against Crusaders. That's the team that finished fifth in Northern Ireland last season. Exactly. Um, they, re- they required extra time against 10 men in the second leg to scrape through 3-2 eventually. And they didn't look too clever, especially defensively. But but they've struggled for goals as well. They're the top sco- scorers, uh, the number nine, uh, Ollie Satter, big six foot four striker. But he's only got four this season. But he's 21 and 31 overall, and they have struggled a bit for, for goals, only just over a goal a game in the league, which for a team that's historically Nor- Norway's best club, it's not really good enough. Captain by Marcus Henriksen, which people may have um people may have seen him down south. He played for Hull City previously, a very experienced midfielder, 58 caps for 
Norway. They have got decent players in there, but it's just yeah, not kind of working for them at the moment. And Hearts, I suppose, need to try and take advantage of that. It's belief. It's belief. And and going back to the Zurich game, the first leg of the Zurich game, first 15 minutes, we had them on the ropes. They, they, they were a mess at the time. They were bottom of the table. They were a team that had very little confidence. From the start, we took the ball and took it forward. And then after scoring, we just went into our shell. I don't want to see that again. I want to see us believe that we can go there, let them worry about us. Yeah, they've got players to worry about, but hey, so have we. And to, I would take a 1-1 right now to, to come back with. And I know where we go. Oh, well. absolutely. Avoid okay. defeat over there. Yeah. Castle, exactly what you I want. Th- I, th- I think so. But I wouldn't go back to the wall. I don't think we're good enough defensively to do that. No. Even if we even if we were to play kind of four five one with three defensive midfielders, um, I still don't think that's enough protection the way that we defend no, right no, now. But, so But the way we've defended from set pieces in recent times and the fact that number nine is a big six foot four exactly. striker. But I don't know much I, I you know I don't know much about him, but I just as soon as I see a big striker um in their list, I assume that maybe they'll try and get the ball into him and um we've looked a bit shaky. We do have we do have Frankie Kent now, but um, it's not going to happen overnight that suddenly our defensive struggles are going to be completely gone. No, no, we're not good enough defensively to go there for a nil-nil, I don't think. Um, so have a go. We're good enough to go there and score. We've got the players that can that can score. Um, so I'd like to... There's no point in going there gung-ho attack. I mean, that's, that's, that's silly. But the other end of the spectrum is there's no point in going there and put everyone behind the ball and Hope you got a break on the counter. Um, just play, play not your normal game. You, you, your your style of play is different from St Johnston away to Rosenberg away. Um, you're, this is this is probably like going to Ibrox or Celtic Park. I don't think Rosenberg are as good as either. Well, certainly they're not as good as Celtic. Who knows what Rangers are right now? So th- this is this is probably something like that, where you're probably only going to have about thirty odd percent possession of the football, maybe 40% possession of the football, if they decide to to have a go at us. Because they'll look at our defence and, and see weaknesses, I'm sure. So it's a really intriguing tie. I think we've got a chance, definitely, um, against Rosenberg. And I think we can score over there. Yeah, I mean, you look at them recently, I was looking, uh, they've only kept one clean sheet in their last 10 games in all competitions. In the last five games at home, they've conceded at least two goals in four of the five games. It'll be 3-0 at home mm-hmm. to Sarpsborg, 2-1 yeah. at home to Lillstrom. They beat Tromso 2-1, they beat Odd 3-2, they beat Crusaders 3-2 after extra time, but they're conceding goals. So I, I think you're right. Um, we don't go there for a 0-0. You, you don't go there gung-ho, but you go there believing, you know, we can open them up and we can score goals. And, you know, obviously they've picked up recently, but you know, their fans have been at far higher level than this. I think you posted already, you know, it'd be a half-empty stadium. Mm-hmm. Um if Hearts go ahead, I don't think their fans going to be too happy. They'll be like, you know, we're getting beat by Hearts now. We've been in the Champions League regularly recently. We've been in group stages of Europa League regularly. Why? This is embarrassing. We should be wiped. This is a kind of team that we should be confident in completely putting uh, to bed comfortably. Yeah. There was a Norwegian journalist I was going back and forward with, Shell Tore Engvik. Um, and I just put a tweet out saying that Rosenberg today said 6,000 tickets have been sold. Um, there's a 21, 21,500 capacity. I don't know how many Hearts fans are, are going, hopefully about a 1,000. So it's probably not going to be much more than half full for this game. We're going back and forward. And he said, look, the tie is going to be wide open, 50-50. Um, but sadly, also said with some truth when it comes to, to the tickets, that Hearts aren't a big name for Rosenberg. We've been used to Real Madrid, AC Milan, Inter, Dortmund, Bayern, PSG, Arsenal, Chelsea, Ajax. Hearts isn't sexy enough for most. Let's be sexy on Thursday. <laughs> okay, before we go, we should preview and give our predictions for the game. And I should also mention our Make Some Noise segment will return later in the week. Uh, we did this last season, so some immediate reaction, just a short podcast immediately after the European game. So you'll get us discussing that. And after that, we'll probably look ahead to the Kilmarnock game. So we're not going to do that yet because Kilmarnock's on Sunday. Uh, we'll do it on Thursday evening. So you'll probably get that on your podcast apps by about Friday morning. So 
let's look ahead, Mark. And you know these things. It's it's hard enough to predict in domestic games, so it's it's a bit of fun, a bit of nonsense. But but hey, we're gonna do it anyway. So Rosenborg against Hart of Midlothian, six o'clock Thursday night. What do you think we're going for? You were so close to getting bang on scorer and score prediction on on Saturday. Seconds away before Lawrence Shanklin scored Hart's 8,000th league goal to make it 2-0. What do you think on Thursday in this first leg? 1-1. Matt, goal scorer. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think with the type of game that I personally would expect in that if they have more of the ball, I, I think our goal would be a potential counter. So that would involve pace. I think I think we can talk about the, the, the team if you want shortly after the prediction, but I think Lowry should be involved from the start because he, he's, he gives us something that we don't have, that, that bit of creativity. Um, I'm, you know, I'm even going to give you the assist. Lowry with the assist and I think Lawrence Shanklin will, will get the goal. Okay. You? 1-1 one, one is what was in my head as well. Um, okay. You know, nothing too crazy. I, I, I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if we won. Uh, but equally, I wouldn't be surprised if things came crashing down and suddenly we remembered that, yeah, this is still a decent European side. So, yeah, I think 1-1. One, one. Um, maybe similar to the game in Switzerland last season. Maybe a, maybe a penalty um, will cause them some problems in Shanklin to dispatch it and then they'll maybe peg us back get a get an equaliser so yeah I, I, wait am I just going the exact same as you yeah one one doesn't give us much of a chance to get it right given we've narrowed it yeah. down to one specific oh outcome. you know what to hell with it I'll go 2-1 in Shanklin there you yes. go yes there you go get See? some get some optimism even more optimism nothing but positivity on this podcast now so I, I think in terms of the team I we, I would say, yeah, we, we definitely need to... Look. The difference with the St. Johnson game was obviously they were going to sit deep and let us have the ball. Um, Rosen, Rosenborg aren't going to do that at home, regardless of the fact they're having a poor season by their standards. So I think pace on the on the counter is important. So I wouldn't be surprised if Lowry and Tagawa potentially start. I think at least one of them will likely start. Um, and... I, I would probably like to see both, and I'd probably like to see Tagawa take that kind of lead striker role, just to have a bit of pace, and see, you know that even just that moment where Shanklin had dropped a little bit behind and did that flick to him. Um, I think Shanklin operates far better when he's just got someone ahead of him. In this system we play, it makes sense. So Shanklin sitting off a little bit, um, doing his thing, Tagawa ahead of him, and maybe Lowry and off the left, Ode on the right. I would quite like that. See, this is interesting because Cochrane's available. Because it's not a, a league game. It's a tough one, yeah. Because I thought Kingsley was pretty good on Saturday. Yeah. Now, I wonder if we can play one in front of the other and, and have one side of, with a bit more pr- protection. Mm. Um, so so right now, right, so Forrest and, and, and Neuenhoff um, replaced by Tagawa. Tagawa and Lowry. And Lowry okay, from, from, from the side. Cochrane's a really good player. I really like Cochrane. Um, so do I. I tell, um, I tell you, I tell you what I could see Hearts. I tell you what I could see Hearts doing here. I could see them going five at the back. And I could see Kingsley playing as a left centre back. I know we've played four a lot. Atkinson as a, as a kind of right back slash right wing back. Kent Rolls Kingsley Cochran. It's probably to see the extent we're, we're losing. Yeah, I I'm I'm going against myself, and I want us to to kind of. If oh. if we were if we drawn Bruges and we were playing away yeah, at Bruges, then it's, yeah, then it's I, I get it. I get you, you tear up your system a little bit just to go really defensive because you are playing. Okay, two changes. And this isn't to say this is to say Rosenberg couldn't come out and wipe the floor with us. It's still a possibility. No, but they're not, they're not think, as good as Bruges. Uh, yeah, but they're not. You've convinced I, me. You've convinced I me. Would two changes like to see us. Because we've never played that under this management team. No. We've, this is a system they like. This structure. That's they what like. they work on. Then, then go go for it. Two changes. Shanklin drops to uh, to the number ten role. Neuenhoff and Forrest are replaced by Tagawa, who goes up top, and Lowry, who plays on the left. So we've got a front four of Oda on the right, Lowry on the left, Shanklin in behind Tagawa. Two holders, Haring and Devlin. Um, 
that might be a bit risky just to have the, the two in the middle of the park there. So have a kind of six and then a four. But you know what? Let, enough of this worrying about them and defensively. You're spot on. Forget the five. So four, two, three, one. Go and have a go. Indeed. And let's hope it pays off. There was a Lowry that scored in Norway for Crusaders, incidentally. So maybe that's a sign. Are you changing your mind? Philip Lowry. No, no, I'm going to stick with mine. I'm going to stick with him. Just saying, just hopefully it's a sign. Philip Lowry scored for Crusaders in uh, the second leg of their game to make it 1-1 at that point. So yeah, hopefully hopefully there's another one. Um, whatever happens, we'll be back to discuss it later in the week. You can give us your thoughts by tweeting at Around the Funnel or you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk Until next time, thanks for tuning in.